I Want to Jump Like Dee Dee with me, Jar Sibold, is the music podcast that does music a bit differently. I'm talking to some incredible musicians, DJs, and producers about how they use an experimental mindset to fuel their own creativity, pursue new challenges, overcome fears, bounce back from mistakes. I'm especially privileged today to be talking to one, one of my favorite drummers, um, one whose precision, swing, um, rhythmic and melodic inventiveness supplies the foundations to one of the most enduring, emotive, significant, and dare I say it, iconic bands of the 21st century. Um, and I've dared to say that word because, you know, iconic is in the, is in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? Um, 15th of July sees the release of their seventh studio album since the, um, you know, the really seminal turn on the bright lights and it's called the other side of make believe which if the singles released so far ended to go by shows to me a further evolution of their ability to create these sort of unfamiliar yet familiar soundscapes that band of course is interpol and my guest of course is sam fogarino sam welcome and thank you so much for coming on oh you're welcome especially with that lovely introduction Yes, I'll do it well, tomorrow. Like I said, I've, I've kind of, you know, I've got kind of one thing to do, so I better get it right. I better get the <laughs> intro right. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you did. So I, I've kind of got a, like I, I just wanted to to sort of start before we go into this kind of the mindset thing that, you know, you you might have heard this a lot, but PDA for me is one of the. And I don't know if there's any sort of answer to this, so I don't feel obliged to say anything. But it's it's one of the great rock songs, like hands down. No question, it's got the best bridge and outro I think that's like ever been ever been written. You know, it's kind of like I'm I'm not religious, but it's kind of like what a religious experience must must feel like. You know, it's it's just kind of like you know, I, I I don't know. I kind of get these feelings of sort of what it gives me is like this sort of feelings of euphoria, and and also like a, this real sort of sense of companionship, which I think I think really kind of highlights like the importance of music emotionally yeah. to us. Yeah, I you know I um I could I can empathize with that. Um, I liked that it it didn't when I first heard the song. This I'll go back. Let me start yeah. start over again. I joined the band in two thousand, and that yeah. song had already been demoed twice. Yeah, yeah, already two different versions that were recorded for posterity, mm. and the first one uh, I wasn't so much into. Mm. Uh, the second time around is when I was like, I need to be in this band. Yeah. Like that's, that's it. I have the opportunity. It must be seized. It's like, you know, I must somehow like deter or, or just crush the competition before they even have a chance to think about it. Wow. Because this is, I, you know, I haven't heard it before, but you kind of know what you want when you hear it. Yeah. And it was like, yeah. I would go out and buy this now. So if I have the chance yeah. to actually be a part of this, like it, it, there's just no, there's, it can't have, no, there's no other option. Yeah. Like I need to be in this band. Yeah. And it was those elements that, that you hear in that track, you know, yeah. it has, it has kind of some rock muscle, you know, it's mm. kind of, it has a, has a strength to it, but then mm. there's all the other stuff. There is like a, a high emotional content and yeah. there is anxiety, you know, and a little bit of hope. Yeah. That is. And that's kind of, you know, I realized that's how I walk around through life, you know? So I definitely empathize with, 
you know, yeah. your summation of that song. And, you know, that was just the beginning, too, mm, of, absolutely. Of, of having that kind of foundation, you know, that even as a drummer, like, I need to be stimulated intellectually to do what to do this primal thing mm. you know, it doesn't have that that upper level of intelligence then they need you know i can't do that yeah you know and the funny thing is is when i became a drummer um it was because that was the slot that was open i had a drum kit for some reason and i had a willing parent to let me and my young friends play in the basement of our terraced home in West Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it wasn't the, the, um, the love of drums. It was the love of the combination that creates a rock song. Mm. So it was like, okay, well, I'll get, I'll get behind those drums. Sure. You know, and that, that was when I was 12 and I'm 53. So yeah. it was quite a long time ago. So here I am now. What was it? What was it? that? Can you, can you remember what was it that, was was there something that attracted you to the to the drums per se, or did you just kind of like fall into it by accident? It was kind of an act. I mean, going back further from that point, you know, when I was a young boy, mm. my mother and father bought me like a toy drum kit that was approximated a real true drum kit. You know, so it wasn't just a little toy. You yeah. know, you, it was tunable. You mm. know, um, and. I, I did have some gravity to it, but it, it wasn't, it didn't click yet. And yeah. I tried other instruments. My mother played piano in the mm. house all the time. Mm. And I, I was, that appealed to me, but the intricacy of it didn't. Yeah. And the same with guitar. Like, of course, guitar is appealing to any young person who likes rock music. Absolutely. But, yeah. But this whole thing, like, that's too, uh, it's too tedious. Mm. But what did appeal to me was the the um, it's drums are instant. You hit yeah. them, they make a sound, and oh, yeah. you do have to you know form some coordination. But when you do get it together, it's like oh, there it is. Where it's yeah. like you learn guitar chords, well, then you got to learn guitar progressions, and then you got to learn scales. And drums is just like no, it just kind of it just seemed to flow naturally, you wow. know. And, you know, you're able to, not that I encourage people to like kind of slag off theory, but you mm. don't really need to know drum theory mm. to really get going, you know? Yeah. And then I got good at it. So it was kind of just, you know, better than default. Yeah. It was like, it was kind of default, but I was willing like, okay, mm. because by the time I did turn 12, like preteen, I realized I had a place set for right. me. Okay. So, I was like, cool, I'll, I'll do that. And then I think it was over the years and really much later that I realized that, oh, no, I do love doing this mm. and that there is a certain power here. Yeah. And, you know, being kind of the the black sheep of the, you know, the musician's fold was appealing <laughs> too, you know, and especially since I, you know, the confidence I did have was like, I'm playing songs, I'm not playing drums. Mm. playing songs first with a drum kit with a drum kit yeah so it was very musical to me and i did did see the importance of where where it lies in an arrangement of a song yeah uh, whether it be busy or simplistic it doesn't matter 
Like, mm. and, and I always, um, like with my first serious band, I was around 21 years old and really built a relationship with the singer and songwriter of the band because the vocals and the drums are the bookends of the songs. Yeah. So at yeah, the bottom, you absolutely. have the foundation. And then, of course, you know, the vocal is the top of the song. It's what everybody yeah. hears first. Mm. So that, that, you know, that kind of carried me in terms of <clears throat> my own confidence and like mm. kind of self-worth within this passion of music. Yeah. You know? And then in the meantime, I did get back to guitar and I, the piano gave way to synthesizers, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, kind of concurrently, I was building my musical vocabulary while playing drums in Interpol. Can I, I can I ask you sort of what what role your you know for example like your mum for example sort of played in in your in in sort of encouraging you the re the reason I'm sort of asking is that when I was when I was a kid around well I, when when I was eight I started playing the cello and and I did really well at it you know I kind of like went through my exams I did a bit of theory didn't like the theory but I did it yeah. um, but but I all like through that time. I, I I felt like I was sort of being pushed into it and mm. and and kind of like being taken away from you know just sort of dicking around with my friends and stuff right. like that you know yeah this year here's the thing with my mother um so when I you know can come to recall childhood as around four or five years old especially five like it's it's pretty vivid mm. uh, um and she would sit at the piano and kind of transpose classical pieces and then kind of ad lib from there. So she'd get the core because she played by ear. So she'd get the arrangement uh, down yeah. and then interpret it. So she was doing covers of classical music. Mm. And then what really inspired her was Led Zeppelin, Joe Cocker, you know, Diana Ross, The Temptations, The Who, wow. you know, Yes, yeah. and all these, you know, the classic what is now classic rock, which was then was like cutting edge FM radio. Yeah. And she had that foundation. It was a bit of, I think she possessed like a punk rock aesthetic without even knowing it or not aesthetic, but it, the ethos of like, ethos. just do it your way, do it your way. Like who cares? Yeah. At the same time, she did try to give me, she tried to get me to go to piano lessons. Mm. And what, what kind of shocked me was like, I ended up going to some Catholic school and had some nun teaching me, Mary, little Mary, Mary had a little lamb. And I was like, no, we're, I want to learn rocket man or like, don't let the sun go down. I, where's the Elton John? And she would blast that in the house. And I told her, I said, mom, I don't, I don't like this. And she's like, oh, well, you don't have to go then. I was like, it's that easy. So, you know, oh, while she thought yeah. she was doing a good thing, when I gave her feedback, she's like, oh, I'm not, no, no, you don't. She didn't do that. She didn't have this. She encouraged me to find something that I did enjoy. That you did enjoy. And stick with. So she, she wasn't just like saying, oh, no, you could just be, you know, free form throughout life because you can't. But she said, well, find something that you like. And, and a couple of years later, when a drum kid ended up in the basement of the house, she was like, okay. All right, play it. And, yeah. you know, she never gave me any grief about it being bloody awful for mm. like the first year. But she did come back and say, wow, you got much better. 
Mm. Like, wow, from the time you started to now, you can play that Rolling Stone song now, you know, and oh, that's amazing, you know, encouraged me to do it with my young bandmates who were all, they were a little older than me at the time, but the oldest person was 16, you know, to my 12. Right. And so everybody loved Laura because, you know, we can go jam in my basement and there was a mom that wasn't going to complain. And if it bothered her, she left the house. Wow. Yeah. You I know? mean, that's such a kind of like liberating and, and, and sort of positive way to, you know, to keep to get you interested and keep you interested. And actually to, like you said earlier, you know, you, know, you just touched on, you know, with your self-belief, you know, about, you know, kind of building that and saying, okay, I, this, this is something that I like and I can, I can do it. Having that environment is, is just so important, isn't it? It really is, you know, because we could rebel against our parents and there is a certain kind of thrill in that. And like, mm. you know, it's, you're, you're in route to finding yourself in that rebellion but when you have the support, they rebel with you. With you. So I kind of had a rebellious mom who was doing the same thing throughout life. She didn't follow the path. You know, she got yeah. divorced early. Mm. And, you know, she was an early proponent of, I don't need a fucking man. Yeah. You know, like, I'll just do this. Yeah. All life is lonely. You know, like mm. I, I got to see the full picture. Mm. You know, you make decisions and they do have ramifications, but you, you end up with yourself yeah and yourself having your being a balanced individual within you know all the uncertainty of life and your insecurities and you know battling with feelings you don't understand and getting yeah. through that you need yourself and there was a point in my early 20s when i was like you know mom i'm not going to do this drumming thing anymore can you send me to school for radiology and she's like yeah, but not now. You're going to you're going to finish. You're going to don't give up yet. You can go to school in your 30s. You're in your 20s now. Go make this happen. Incredible. And I was a couple years off. You know, Interpol happened when I was 32. And mm. I was like, fucking hell, she was right. She was right. Because even after the first Interpol album, if it didn't do as well, didn't lead to a second, I could very well have gone to radiology school at 33 years old. That's not ridiculous mm. at all. Mm. And I didn't have to. And thank God I don't have to at 53. <laughs> <laughs> and, and funny, another ironic thing, my ex-wife is engaged to a radiologist. <laughs> oh, wow. And, and he happens to be a fucking lovely guy. I really like him. I consider Brilliant. him like a new friend. You know, and I'm happy that this man is around my, our daughter. And it's kind of ironic, you know. There's like, something sort of serendipitous about all of, all of that. Real. There really is. Yeah. And I could be happy that, you know, there is some weird thing that I have this, you know, pre, pre-existing respect for his position in life before I even meet him. Yeah. And then here's a man that's going to eventually be my daughter's stepfather, who's a radiologist, which was my second choice in life. So, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I, as I get to know him, I kind of wonder, like, what, what drove you to, to yeah. this path? Because I, I was kind of there. Yeah. You know? So it's kind of funny. I just realized that, too, as we're wow. talking. Yeah. yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's, that, 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 is, that is an interesting one. What, what was the, I mean, the, 
you know the kind of the scenes that you that I, I know obviously you know you moved to, to New York in sort of 97 but I'm uh, you, you know the sort of the the hangout scenes the people that you sort of gravitated towards obviously you, you know you had your band when you were kind of 12 and you know you know so things like that but the kind of the 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 people with your mindset the sort of the people that you that really appeal to you what what yeah what it mind? was it was those people who no matter what they did that seemed to me what i could glean is that they carved their own path mm. you know there was something like for lack of a better term that was rebellious yeah. and maybe if not rebellious like like you know i'm not going to do it that way i'm going to try mm. this path it kind of goes to the left and maybe kind of curves outward. There might be a little double backing, yeah. but you're going to end up happy or, yeah. or, you know, happiness is not static. You're going to end up content yeah. and, and okay with yourself. And there was always like within, of course, if you were a musician, you had my attention, yeah. you know, whether no matter what level of success, you know, I wanted to know why. But there was also people who were lawyers, people who were in the medical profession that just had an ease to them. And like at a baseline, they were, they were satisfied with their lot. Mm. You know, and that appealed to me and, you know, getting to know them as a human being, like what are their fears? What is, what creates anxiety in them? How do they deal with it? Yeah. And it was always that person who's a little more cavalier, mm. you know, and, just, you know, randomly meeting people who, you know, the people who, who kind of chose that route in life route, versus yeah. the dictated, you know, the societal norm type mm. of thing. And I realized that I had pity for them, mm. you know, and didn't, I could identify with what bothered them and what their insecurities were, but it was kind of like, well, that, that's why, because you're, you're kind of forced into this path your square peg yeah doing the you know you go to high school you you know then you have adult education if you will college mm. university and then there you are you yeah know, in, could, in debt and and um i, I was could, like, i could i could sorry i i can i can totally totally relate to that i mean that you know that in a, in a way is what you know what I, what i went through and there was always this you see i'm like an i'm uh, it's why I think you, you kind of like environment at that age is so important. You know, I, I was an only child. Well, I, I wasn't only, I, I am an only child. And, right. um, you, you know, I, I always felt that, you know, felt like the spotlight was on me and, you know, my, my dad had certain things that had happened to him in his childhood. So you can see how it sort of passes through generations, you know, the, mm -hmm. this, this sort of influence. And, um, you know, I, I didn't feel strong enough, you know, for, for, you know, quite a, quite a, long time about going against what what he wanted and it sounds terribly sort of sad now because eventually i i obviously have right. uh, and and, and I'm, I'm you know i'm doing my own doing my own thing but you can see how as you said you can see how people sort of get into that and become yeah. you know it's like okay well this is like a a kind of rigid life path almost Exactly. And it's all about like putting on a game face and thickening your own skin mm. for what? Yeah. And that was like, okay, well, what? Okay. A job with some money. What is, what good is money if you're not content? Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. and my parents dropped out of high school. Mm. Um, 
and didn't fall flat on their faces. You know, I, I think they have regrets, you know, and, and wish that they could have done things a little differently, but they, they did what made them happy. And so they didn't care about not having prof- prof- quote unquote professional jobs, mm. you know, but um, they didn't, at least they didn't fall prey to the rat race. Yeah. You know? And where they fell short, they encouraged me mm. at, at a certain point. I was in my twenties and the band I was in called the Holy Terrors had the same manager. His name was John Tovar as Marilyn Manson. Mm. One day, Brian Warner, Marilyn Manson, calls me up, and we were acquainted. We hung out at the same places, but yeah. we never talked on the phone or anything. We weren't friends, per se, and he asked me to join Marilyn Manson, and it only took me two seconds to decline because I knew I didn't fit into that aesthetic, yeah. so it was a thrill that he asked me to join, but he wasn't going to get the same drummer that he was yeah. asking yeah. because that 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 transpired by what I was playing. Mm. And I told my dad and my dad got pissed off. Mm. My dad was like, you're blowing it. What the fuck are you doing? Why are you not? And, you know, his understanding only went that far, but I was like, dad, you're really like, you're blowing it for Marilyn Manson because you're supposed to be horrified and you're encouraging me. And I just thought that was so funny. Yeah, And it really just gave me fuel. It was kind of funny because that's where the rub was. I'll show you dad. Like, I don't have to join yeah. Marilyn Manson to make it, to yeah. quote, unquote, make it. <laughs> I, 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 wonder, I wonder, yeah, I mean, I wonder if, if that is, you know, part of you, part of that decision or that, that kind of reaction is just like your gut instinct saying, no, this is not, this, this is not right. It, it, I, it, it was really quick, but I did somehow, my brain kind of filed through. Yeah, kind of projected what that would be, and yeah. I wouldn't be signed to Interscope Records. I'd be signed to Marilyn Manson. I'd have a weekly stipend, and yeah. it could be very. If if they were replacing somebody for me, then I could mm. be replaceable. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like, and in the band I was in, I had a voice, and you know, I carved out this method of playing drums to the music, and it was just like. There was something, it's like your stomach brain said, no, no, no. While the head brain is like, oh, maybe, you know, you're being rational. You're looking at the full picture. And um, it was tempting. You know, it would have been an out. I would have had a better apartment at that point. Yeah. And would have done some touring. And of course, you know, any any drug I wanted, you know, at the time, like stuff like that. But you know, I, I did realize that 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 would be momentary and, you know, could actually, it, with all due respect to, to him as a person, could have gotten in the way of me doing anything else. Yeah. Pigeon held, you know, sadly, like the backup band to Marilyn Manson is never really talked about. Mm. You know, he, he had the impact. If there's any respect given, it's to him. It's not it's to, to the bass player or drummer of, of his of his band yeah so and that was so crucial like so crucial for you yeah for, you, yeah, for your own I, kind of I like was in, yeah i was into these, these outfits that the whole the whole thing was in quintessential you know it was a whole like at the time like my blood like loveless was still it was a couple of years old but it was still my sonic bible and yeah. um 
you know, although Kevin Shields is the brainchild, like you, you, the proof is in the sound of everything that they all had some equal importance there. Yeah. You know? And like Pixie, Sonic Youth, and you, you know, these yeah. are proper bands. Yeah. You know? Where it's a kind of sort of, you know, amazing individuals, but also an amazing collective as well. Exactly. Kind of band as a collective. Exactly. It wasn't like, you know, Kim Gordon and Sonic Youth. It was Sonic Youth, then Kim yeah. Gordon or Thurston or Steve Shelley. Yeah. You know, and that was kind of what I wanted. You know, and knew that I wouldn't get that in Marilyn Manson. And, you know, regardless of my dad being pissed off at my short <laughs> Like, dad, I know best this time. <laughs> yeah, I really had to put my foot down, you know, and was like, you know, I, I can't believe I'm arguing with my father over this. Like, over this, yeah. yeah. Why why I should, should be joining this band. Did you, know? you, did you, did you have... Um... Did you have at the at the sort of the outset a, um, a a sort of clear idea of what um and, and of what success looked like for you? Yeah, I did, I did, and I think it kind of um, resonated with my like blue collar kind of humble upbringing, mm. which wasn't greedy. You mm. know, it was like look for a positive sense of comfort, not complac not complacency. Like yeah, being comfortable and being at ease with what you end up with. So I was at a Pixie show in 1991 at a place mm. called the Cameo Theater on Miami, on South Beach. Mm. Before South Beach was the fabulous, you know, yeah, uh, the American Riviera or whatever bullshit they call it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that it's not. It's pretty, but it, it ain't anything close to French. Um, <laughs> So all, the, all those corporate spin doctors now are kind of turning at this. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, they failed. They didn't. Yeah, yeah. Me. Yeah. Um, so I'm there in the audience and I'm like, wow, okay, this is big enough to be really exciting, but it's small yeah. enough to still be intimate. I can mm -hmm. see them on stage. I can see Frank Black's facial expressions. And I was like, this is this is Mecca. Like yeah. this is this is it. You can make a living at this. I was like, I want this. Yeah. Exactly how that happened, I still didn't know. But I was like, I could do this. This is fine. Mm. And, you know, it kind of loosely, you know, definitely, it kind of loosely dictated what kind of music it was going to be, mm. which, you know, made sense in a way. It was like this very much like kind of anti-rock star Thing. Yeah. Like it doesn't need to be an arena or a stadium, you know, and it could be bigger than a club, you mm. know, so there was still like, I still wanted something, you know, that, that was beyond just playing music somewhere. Yeah. You know, I, did, I did want a career, you know, mm. I did want stability and I was like, well, I have to find the path to trajectory. Yeah. You know? And that was the, that's what took time, mm. you know, and, you know, finding people who kind of agree with this kind of um, ideal mm. in terms of what a band could be. And then I found Interpol, you know, almost 10 years later. Yeah. And while it wasn't spot on, you know, they did fancy playing like an arena. The music kind of hit the spot. And I was like, this is what's going to, this is the vehicle. 
It can't mm. be just desire. You have to have something, you know, the intangible solid proof, if you will, in that contradiction. What, music. What what was it sort of musically that that sort of or about the music that sort of hit the spot for you? It was the fucking sense of atmosphere. Yeah. There was a transcendence, there was an otherness, and while it was still very grounded. Mm. So lyrically, Paul was really good at expressing discontent and dissatisfaction yeah. with himself and with life around him. But it wasn't just, it didn't just stop at that, I don't like this. There was also the hope for something better yeah. or like the idealization of uh, a higher plane to hit. Yeah. And it simply was like the melodic output was something that I, that resonated with me. Yeah. You know, and it, it's, it's kind of related to music that at that point in time was more staples like Sonic Youth and the Pixies and My Bloody Valentine and Swerve Driver, guitar yeah. driven music that rocks heavy, but has something else. It just didn't yeah. stop at bombast. Yeah. And it's dynamic too. I loved the fact that, you know, PDA, as you mentioned, had this instrumental break with no drums. Yeah. That, that's jazz. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, like, yeah. And it was like, wow, I would love to Keith Moon all over that. I, oh, it was so cool that I didn't. It was like forced restraint, you know? And yeah. I can't wait to just jump back in and then just drive it home. Yeah. You know? So, it really spoke to my team player sense, or better yet, better yet, not just team player, like sense of independence, mm. you know, and um, not needing to be Keith Moon, actually. Like yeah. Charlie Watts in that situation and just drive that thing home. And it's, it's it interesting. So it's gratifying. It's interesting you say that because I, um, just before we sort of came on camera, um, we were talking about Dave Barbarossa and, and Dave as uh, Dave actually sort of as, as about four years ago started teaching me drums as well. Oh, cool. you know, obviously, 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 it was sort of hugely sort of you, you know he was he, he did a he did a great job, but you know some of you know when you get to my age, it's kind of like you know. You, you, you know, there's only a certain distance you can go. But anyway, yeah. he, 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 but but he said, I remember him saying that actually the those quiet times are the, are the you know, where, where you know not to drum and just to stop are the hardest, but also the most powerful that you can that you can do as a as a drummer, just to let the other stuff just kind of take its oh. course. Oh, I totally agree. Like you're creating uh, a rest, mm. and it 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 the singer the, the listener rather is still affected by what you were doing leading up to that leading and you're up. building yeah. anticipation and excitement because people know the drums dropped out something's going to happen next you know yeah. you're creating this this dynamic that is like okay time to breathe yeah you know and that's that that i mean those kind of dynamics make a song yeah what makes it exciting then when the font the drums finally re-enter you're back at where you were back and, at, where and you were. at yeah. the same time it's on a different level you hit a different plane now yeah because you know, you're not leading up to that point you're leaving it yeah you know you're exiting and and um and there's something to 
to like I'd liken drums to the gate. It's the how the song walks. Mm. It's the physical embodiment of the temperament of of the track. Yeah. And my drumming is way more collected than I am as a human being. You know what I mean? It's like it's it's the my perfect alter ego, you know, in beat form. <laughs> very well tempered and like you know the even the anger is is purposeful it's purposeful you know, yeah it doesn't hurt anybody you know it actually well, sounds good well actually while, while we're while, while we're on that you know how important is um uh, or or how important is, is emotional intelligence being been for you sort of through your through your career whether it be in in, in your musical career sort of just or just generally sort of in your life and what what have you what have you kind of learned from you know being self-aware and and having self-awareness and and you know being around bandmates and also also the you know the the entourage you know how how have you used that through your life it's a constant challenge you know and you you still you never hit a plateau of of understanding Mm. Cause we keep, we're constantly changing. And Paul and I just had a, a brief discussion outside of the hotel that mm. the longer we do this, the harder it gets. Yeah. We hit a certain point of age where mm. we're gliding for a while, but then it becomes an upward battle because your, your, your personal life, your, your priorities change. Yeah. So as much as I enjoy doing this, I kind of rather would be home with my two daughters. Mm watching them grow up Mm. you know but then there's also like this is what dad does this is how i provide you know um so it does get harder emotionally and which will affect your physical being as well so it becomes really important yeah to, to really kind of you know when you do um when your anxiety triggers anger you know, that just means you're, you're out of sorts. You're afraid yeah. you're unsure and you can't act on it. Mm. You know, you gotta, you gotta let it kind of, you gotta decompress before you, um, um, confront anything. Confront anything. Yeah. No, yeah. I think you're absolutely right with that. Yeah, it is. And then, you know, hopefully I mean, I, I, with, with being with, bandmates when you do kind of lose the plot for a second that they understand is just momentary but man when you when you do have the ability to express discontent with a calm voice yeah it results happen yeah because everybody yeah i was i was going to say i I think i mean i mean i i think you know generally in in life it's it's just harder than it was to get stuff done, isn't it? it, it yeah. It's it's really hard. You know, yeah. you, like, I don't know, even the simple things like, you know, if you want to change, oh, I don't know, if you want to change your your telephone provider or if you want to do this and it's like, oh, God, I mean, every, everything seems to test you. And and these things like, like kind of like emotional intelligence, I just think are just really important, more much more important perhaps than they, they were to kind of, getting through life and sort of, you know, you know, being content in what you do, but it takes, like you said, you know, it takes a whole lot of work, doesn't it? Regularly. It, really does. it does. I think we, you know, cause we hold on to the, the mini traumas throughout life. Yeah. You know, unfortunately they're, they're, we're kind of wired to be informed by that, to stay alive. 
mm. you know, back in the day, you know, the trauma would be, you know, you're faced with death as an animal because a bigger yeah. animal is going to eat you. Yeah. You know, and it's so easy to like be in, in subconsciously informed by these, these mini events throughout life that were negative to where it will impact like, Oh, okay. I got to switch from T-Mobile to sprint. Yeah. And you, what you do is you kind of fall into this mode of perfectionism, knowing how that conversation is going to go. Yeah. And it's going to yeah. be, it's going to be tiresome and tedious and you're going to want to shoot the messenger to death. To death. <laughs> yes. You know? Absolutely you, right. Yeah. You have to realize that that's in your head. Mm. That's, that's informed from something that's unrelated and you have to kind of step up and just do it. Yeah. And then when you do, you realize, no, you're in control. That was kind of easy, yeah. but you will then face it again. Yeah. With changing car insurance companies. Absolutely. Or breaking up with a partner or yeah. all that stuff. And you do realize that, you know, it's important to, you know, kind of have your habitat kind of sorted. It's, it's interesting as well, you know, because I mean, generally as we sort of get older, it, 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 it um, it's it's harder. I, I I find sometimes it's harder to be adaptable as you yeah. as you as you as you sort of get older. You know, you, you, I don't know. There's something that that makes you feel anxious when you have to adapt quickly, and whether it's kind of like our brain sort of cognitively can't cope with it. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm the same. I'm I'm 54. I've just turned 54. You know, and and, and it's, the, it's the same kind of thing. I think cognitively, there's there's some know, kind of decline fucking going on. You know, which is. <laughs> It Which is. is really scary, but it is. And then it's funny because in the professional mode, I can turn on a dime. Absolutely. Like there are certain things that like that I could flow with that perhaps my bandmates aren't comfortable with. Um, and yeah. feel that that sense of stability the instability. Yeah. You know, where I can kind of just pivot and go, oh, okay. But mm -hmm. at home, you know, it's a different thing. And it will. The funny thing is that I have that flexibility in my professional life, but if something goes south at home, it will spill in and yeah. I'll take it with me as much yeah. as, as you can. And that's when the emotional intelligence really has to kick in. Yeah. You have to separate the two. The two. You know? And it really comes down to like, if I have any kind of issue that, that leans towards something negative, if I have this tone of voice, you're going to hear it much more clear than yeah. if I'm shouting at you, mm. you know? and, and, you know, we, we, you know, inside that you're just shouting at somebody because of how you feel it's not them, but being on the receiving end, it's just like, Whoa, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's been the lesson, you know, is to express any kind of sense of discomfort or fear with a, with a tempered voice. If we, you know? um, if, if, if we, you know, on, on a sort of related subject, but, but talking about the, the, the new record, for example, that, that's, that's coming out and, and how that was, you, you know, how that sort of evolved. And obviously, you know, talking about adaptability because we've had two years of COVID, you know, sort of in between when things have been a whole lot different. I mean, how, what, what does the, the, the new record, how did that work out for you and what does it, what does it really kind of mean to you after after kind of going through all of this? Well, the funny thing with COVID is, and this shows you how like askew my normal is, that the 
the the self isolating the lockdown part really didn't feel any different. Mm. Except I didn't have the option now to then, oh, I want to go out to dinner tonight. Yeah. I was kind of fine with it. Without, like I was yeah. just kind of hauling yeah. up in my studio and I just had more time to follow the muse wherever it was leading. Yeah. And how that translated to Interpol world was, okay, we usually, you know, kind of convene in some dank basement in New York City. Mm. And you know, it's an old punk rock way of doing it. You know, yeah. you can see the sweat coming down your brow. Yeah. That'll inspire something. But now we can't. And so it was like, how is this going to work? I'm like, because mm. it has to. We have yeah. a record to deliver. Um, and regardless of being unsure if we'll ever tour again, we still have a record to deliver and we still got to, we're not dead. We have to continue. Mm. Continue. And it was like, well, guys, you know, um, it's easy. Daniel, send your ideas to me and Paul. And yeah. then separately or, you know, sometimes in tandem, come up with what we would do in person. Mm. But the, the beautiful thing was that you were now isolated from frustrating anybody. Yeah. Of being put on the spot to come up with that part, like right then and there. Mm. And it was a good trade-off because you didn't have the synergy of being in a room together, but now mm. you had the luxury of time. So you get the song of the day. I have yeah. 24 to 48 hours to deliver something convincing. Yeah. And I had the freedom to explore any, any means possible. Mm. And then Paul had that. He, he realized, wow, I could sing at a different volume. I'm not battling Fender twin amplifiers and a loud <laughs> snare drum. <laughs> so yeah we're a relaxed approach on on either side mm. and that we realized that there was ooh, this is still the band but with a, a bit of a different delivery different delivery yeah, yeah. and that became kind of exciting mm. and so then the the process became intrinsic yeah so it's not jamming in a room together it's it's doing this it's a different version it's a more collected calm and emotionally intelligent version of what we're doing yeah you, know, you couldn't you couldn't sit there and go i can't do this because if you can't then there is no song you're basically screwed yeah you're just screwed so you have to forget the obstacle and turn the obstacle into the advantage I guess that sort of shows a little bit of our kind of resilience, doesn't it? In the face of, um, you know, sort of situations where you think, what the fuck am I going to do here? How are we, how are we going to work this out? Yeah. When, when you have to, when you know that you've got your, your obligations to whoever, to your fans, to yourselves as well. Your livelihood to, to your everything. Yeah. And it, it, and then you do realize that, you know, a lot of the times can't means won't. Won't. Yes, it just means, one, it means I don't want to try. It means I'm set in my ways. And if we can't do this, we're done. That's Literally a really good point. That. Yeah. Yeah. And as harsh as it could be, you know, I mean, it, it if I said that directly to one of my bandmates, mm. you know, that's, they're fighting words, you know, that's like, <laughs> yes. you know, as true as it may be, like it's kind of curt and you don't yeah, want to true. throw the pie in the face, Yeah, but that's what it means. And better than having a conversation about like can't means won't you demonstrate it yeah and can't means i will in spite of would you would you would you would you would you call yourself a risk taker yeah yeah 
Yeah, I love it. I love it. You love it. I do. Um, I mean, I could say that now because these risks have have given yield to something fruitful. They paid off. Yeah, it paid off. But yeah, like you don't take a risk, you don't succeed. Yeah, and you know, I learned that by driving to New York with fifty bucks in my pocket. Wow. Yeah, and going okay. Well, let's see what happens. You know, in my very late twenties, it's like you know, do or die. I I don't want to be, you know, 30 something in South Florida going, wow, if only I went to New York that day. Yeah. That's, that's, that's like a nightmare to me. Mm. You know, just being like, okay, this is opportunity. And, you know, you learn too that, you know, failure does give yield to opportunity. Like, okay, yeah. this failed. Why? Where, how do I do this? And I think being very flexible and willing in the moment mm. to kind of just alter the, the path led to something good. So if I didn't have the inclination to go to New York with 50 bucks in my pocket, yeah. you know, I wouldn't have done what I've done to lead myself to Interpol. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting as well, isn't it? With the, when you, when you sort of, sorry to interrupt Sam, um, okay. you know, you know, when you, when you, take those those risks um you you it, it's it's some it's sometimes you know the 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 fear of failure you know it's it becomes a sort of it's a it can be a very personal thing can't it you know it's like if you create an idea and you have a vision of this kind of idea and somebody says uh do you know what yeah you know it's like yeah I really like that my idea is best it's true it's true and i think having the the skill if you will to take a risk mm. um your idea will be heard yeah you know what i mean it's kind of a part of it that you know i could have sat there in south florida with my grand design not not me not ever becoming to not ever coming to fruition yeah you know and what good is that you know yeah. just talking about what could have happened and looking for excuses as to why it didn't. And as opposed to like, okay, well, it could, it could end up really ugly, you know, and I could end up a parody of myself, but if I don't, I already am a parody of myself. If yeah. I don't, then all of this is for nothing, you know, because I mean, music, what, you, yeah, they have, they have business classes, you know, yeah. you can go to school for audio engineering or whatever, but that's, that's, that's vapor. Yeah. You know what I mean? There ain't, there's many books on the music business and all that, but it's to make money. It's an, it's an opinion. Yeah. Because, yeah, exactly. you know, there was no Interpol didn't follow this path. Interpol, again, that was Daniel's drive to just get, get done what he thought was right. Mm. And, you know, ignoring all the rejection and just sticking to his idea. My idea is good. This is going to happen. And finding the people who are sympathetic to it. I mean, I mean, you, you know, to, to, to deal with that, I mean, that takes some balls to, you know, to deal with that and to, you know, come back from those from, you know, rejection after rejection. I remember when, when I, when I started this podcast, right. And, and, you know, I had to be kind of dragged into doing it. I, I was like, well, you know, who's everybody's going to say no. Nobody's going to want to talk to me and all this sort of stuff. And it's a, it's a shit idea, blah, blah, blah. And 
you, you know, you, you, but of course, I, you know, quite a few people sort of said, said yes straight away. And, you know, you've said yes to come on it, but you, you, you can still have that sort of, I still have that sort of fear sometimes that, you know, why would anybody want to talk to me about this sort of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, 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 I still experience that too with perhaps collaborations outside of the band or, yeah. you know, my, my endeavors at the Interpol is very safe, but you know, the other things that I do outside of this, it's really like, why, why, why? Like, yeah. and, and you really want to, you want to collaborate with me? You know, I do. I, do, do you still feel that? Do you still yeah, feel that? You do yeah. That? yeah. And I think that the thing it's useful to a degree is humility. Mm. You know, yeah. Um, of course, we don't listen to that because here we are talking. Yeah. But you know, I think there is a that could be detrimental, could get in the way. But it, I still think it means that you're grounded and not you're not infallible. Mm. So there is kind of, there is an emotional intelligence to that too. It's just like, kind of just knowing like nobody is the shit. Nobody yeah. is, you know, this yeah. is all momentary and, you know, the public at large who consumes podcasts and music and everything are so damn fickle, you yeah. know, and there's so many choices that you really can't really believe that you're not worth it. But it, it's like, I think it's a quality control thing. Yeah, and it's the, it's the imperfect point. human way of like that's how we show it. Like ah, this sucks. It's and very it, true. No, it doesn't. You know, but it's just true. you know, I I always if I get too confident, I fail. Mm. You know, like it, it, looking back in the past, like if I ignored um, the show in front of me, that's going to have like twenty thousand people. I I have faltered. You know. Um, and when I remain kind of like, I have to keep my head on straight, you know, and really I'm digging deep for that thing inside me. That's going to ensure that I do a good job. Mm. You know, you need to be kind of humble. Yeah. You know, you need to realize you, you straddle this, this thin line of like, I, I am worthy, but I'm not perfect. Yeah. I'm not everything, you know? So I think it's like it, like I said, it maintains some level of, of quality. Yeah. And just how we, how we kind of um, process that and what it says to us kind of, it mirrors like some kind of insecurity, but um, you know, you, you know, an animal in the wild can't just walk around cavalier, you know, it's going to get eaten, you know, You're so right, you, you gotta, you gotta be careful. Yeah. So, and it it's when I remain humble about like i could fail i don't if i go at something like ah this is no problem i'll drop a stick or miss a beat or something you know you kind of lose the plot yeah that's true that's a really yeah. good that's a really good point yeah sam i better let you go because i know you've got uh you've got to go you've got a show to to do tonight haven't you i gotta do a sound check yep do a sound check and all that so listen th thanks so much for coming on and sparing the time it's been been amazing talking to you really i'll nice. talk to you anytime <laughs> anytime man i'll be i'll be a yearly guest this is it was really fun i don't get to talk about this stuff too much thanks for listening to the show and i really hope that you enjoyed it and that you'll tune in for the next episode in the meantime, it would be really awesome if you could rate and review the show and also share it with any friends who you think might enjoy it.